This Rhythm and News podcast is brought to you by the Port of Seattle. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. The King County Office of Law Enforcement Oversight is not fully on board with new policies for the King County Sheriff's Office related to the use of body-worn cameras and the video footage obtained. And they are seeking some amendments to the policies. And we've been this morning to talk about this issue with uh, Oleo Director uh, Tamer Abazuin. Uh, good morning, Tamer. Good morning, Chris. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Oh, pretty good. I can't complain. Uh, Tamer, I, I believe there are four areas of concern that have been raised by you and your office. Uh, the first two are related to when uh, and under what circumstances that deputies are allowed to view video footage uh, from body cams worn by the deputies. Uh, and before we begin the conversation, I think uh, we must note that I believe your office was involved to some degree with the development of these policies, but the final version of these policies are something that uh, you are uh, not in full agreement with, correct? That is correct. Uh, the King County Sheriff's Office uh, and we have been working together um, on this policy. Generally speaking, whenever they are going to come up with a new policy, they need to uh, send it to us first and we need to give them recommendations. Um, this happened once before when they were uh, doing the pilot project, piloting body-worn cameras. Uh, we made a bunch of suggestions. And then this time, when it was time for the final policy, we made a lot of suggestions and collaborated with them. They did accept quite a few of our suggestions, um, but the outstanding issues uh, for us were just a little a little too much for us to be able to to sign on to the the policy as a whole. Right. And let's let's talk about the policy that allows deputies to view footage uh, as it relates to a a series a serious force case. Yeah, so currently under the policy that the sheriff's office adopted, um, basically what it says is if, if you are a deputy who is involved in a serious force case, so for example, if you shoot someone and that person is severely injured or dies, um, what you need to do is uh, write a statement uh, about what happened, then you can view the video, then you can write another statement to, to, to amend it. Um, our view is that for these serious incidents, a statement is not enough, that the person actually, the deputy should not be allowed to view the video until they have sat down for an investigation with the proper investigative personnel. Anytime one of these incidents happens, um, there is an administrative investigation into the use of force. And we believe that that, that investigation should include a full interview and that that full interview should happen before the deputy gets to watch the body-worn uh, footage or any other recordings. Once they have watched 
those are once they have sat for the interview, then they can watch the recordings. And if they want to add anything, or if if the recording reminded them of anything that they had forgotten, or if they wanted to change anything, then they can do that. But we need to have the base level of the interview first. Right, and and that sounds like a rational uh, request as it relates to. Um, this policy for the amendment that you guys would want them to have. I, I don't understand, um, and maybe you have a little more insight uh, in talking to people internally about what the rationale was for allowing an officer to write a, uh, to write a statement, then look at the, a, a video, and then basically make an amendment or amend the statement um, to, you know, reflect what they might have saw uh, in the video and how in, 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 the, in the minds of some advocates out here in the community say, you know, amended to how they want the story to be uh, portrayed, uh, you know, according to what the, and that's, the video evidence is showing. Right. And that's, and you know, I, I agree with you. It's irrational. We think it's a reasonable, uh, it's a reasonable request. And, you know, at the end of the day, any person you talk to, whether they're an, there's someone who investigates police misconduct or there's, or, or if you talk to a detective who, who investigates crimes at, at any police department, right? They will tell you you want to interview the person before you show them your your video evidence. That's just kind of standard practice uh, all over. And so um, you're asking what what is what may be the the rationale behind the um, behind the reluctance to accept that. Um, I don't have any inside knowledge because I wasn't in, I wasn't uh, in the negotiation room specifically. I was just advising on the policy itself from the outside. But I imagine some of the concerns that I have heard before is that people feel like, um, you know, deputies or, or other police officers may feel like you're playing gotcha with them, where you want to get them on something. Like if they forget to say something or if they mention something that is just slightly wrong, then you can say, ah, I got you. You lied. Now I'm going to fire you. Obviously, that's not the purpose of an investigation. The purpose of an investigation is to look at what happened and to uncover the truth. It's not the and there are protections so that you don't play gotcha with people, right? If, if you are going to get someone on making a false statement, for example, it's not going to be just a, just a silly mistake. It's not going to be something that they forgot. You have to prove that they did this on purpose, right? So I don't really buy that, um, that, re- that reason for reluctance. Uh, nevertheless, this is, this is uh, what the policy says now. Right. And the other policy, which is somewhat similar, um, but it actually – uh, relates to, um, I guess, non-force uh, incidents. Uh, but that policy, to, when speaking to some advocates, is a little more concerning than the one that it relates to the uh, serious force cases. So, um, yeah, so, in t- so for, for other incidents, so just to clarify, the, the first part that we're talking about, what we are suggesting is that for any case where there's a serious use of force, for any case where a member of the community has alleged an injury, or any case where um, a member of the community said that they plan to file a complaint or they've already filed a complaint, we want the deputy to go through an investigation, an investigative interview first before they get to view it. Now, for other incidents um, involving, you know, things like m- minor complaints or non-use of force or things like that, um, we agreed that it is okay for for the um, for the pers- for the deputy to write a statement, but the statement should be before a deputy may watch the recordings. Under the current policy that was adopted, um, the deputy may watch the the recordings 
during um, during their work and during them documenting the thing. So while they are writing the case report, they are viewing the video, and then that of course gives the chance for the case to make sure the case report matches the video. Right. Um, the the issue we have with that is that the sheriff's office did include something to the effect in the in the policy saying when you're writing that that report you have to mention you have to make it clear what is based on the video and what is based on your personal recollection but that that's not really something that can happen in practice if you're writing a report you're writing a report so our suggestion was that you write the report before watching any video then you can watch the video and then if you want to add anything or change anything you have to do it in a separate report so that we see first what you wrote based on your recollection, and then in a separate report, if you want to add something, you can add it. But that way we have both before and after, and then we could make our conclusions about, you know, which one to accept and which one is more credible and all that. Right. Now, um, the other issue, um, as I understand it, you, um, that you guys have raised is as it relates to the discretionary uh, language, as it relates to when deputies can uh, determine if their camera should be on or off. And I know there are some circumstances where it might make sense for them to have them off, but can you talk a little bit about um, this policy? Because this one's a little bit more you know, complex because there's some different intricacies as it relates to this particular policy. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, you know, it is, it is generally speaking, um, so first of all, generally speaking, you want as little discretion as possible when it comes to these recordings because discretion is kind of uh it, it, it provi- discretion provides a fertile uh a playground abuse right when you have too much discretion then um that's where biases can come out whether they're conscious or unconscious that is where abuse can happen so technically we want to limit discretion um now, like you said, there are some situations, for example, you know, I could tell an officer that I don't want to be recorded right now because I am in a certain compromising position, right? Um, and, and so there are some uh, exceptions that we can understand. However, our position is that the exceptions listed in this policy for the King County Sheriff's Office um, are just too big and they're, you know, they're, they're almost going to swallow the whole rule. So, for example, one of um, the the policy exceptions is if there is an articulable exigent circumstance that would justify a member's decision to record and not record. That doesn't really explain what those circumstances are. It just says if there's a circumstance that justifies your decision not to record, right? That gives way too much discretion for a deputy to decide whether to record or not to record. Another example is um, giving uh, deputies discretion to uh, when individuals have a reasonable expectation of privacy. Well, hold on a second. Reasonable expectation of privacy, you have the biggest reasonable expectation of privacy in your home. And just because you are in your home doesn't mean that there aren't uh, potential, there isn't potential misconduct. So by giving deputies the, the option to stop recording if they are in someone's home will uh, undoubtedly result in us having an incomplete view of what it is that happened inside someone's home. Um, So these types of exceptions are just way too broad. And it's not like we're saying no exceptions at all. We're simply saying limit the exceptions more. And we are also saying 
even if you do end up recording something that shouldn't have been recorded, this isn't your last chance, right? Because after you record something, it can be reviewed. Um, if someone requests it, then it can be uh, it can be redacted, right? Um, it can. There are other options, um, and it's also you know you you put a retention schedule on it. So some things, if you tag them a certain way, they'll last for five years. Some things, if you don't tag them, they're, they'll be deleted in, in six months. So all of these things are checks on what should and shouldn't have been recorded. Um, but at least they are checks that happen after the fact. So. You will have the recording, then you can decide what to do with the recording. On the other hand, if you start off not having the recording, there is there is no remedy there. You can't go back and record it if it's not recorded in the first place. Right. Now, uh, you all have raised these concerns with the King County Council and the Sheriff's Office, along with, uh, I believe, there's another uh, issue that you guys had with uh, the release of, of, of video uh, footage within 72 hours of the circumstances taking place. Um, have there been has there been any movement or significant conversations about the, these concerns that you've raised at, at the level of the King County Council or within the sheriff's office that is to date? Um, so we raised this um, around the same time that the budget was being debated uh, in the King County Council, and that is because um, the King County Council wanted to know from us our views on the policy since they were about to uh, earmark uh, four million dollars pay for these body-worn cameras. Um, and uh, that money ended up being appropriated. It passed. Um, however, during the debate, most uh, of the King County Council members agreed that there are issues with the policy, that the policy should be improved, um, but they felt like it was important to pass it now and to give the money now so that we can get body-worn cameras because we've been trying to do it for a long time, and then we can work on improving the policy later. Um, what we are going to do um, is continue to speak with the council and with the executive's office about the uh, suggestions that we have for improving the policy. As far as I know, um, and this is something someone from the sheriff's office mentioned in, uh, at council, they said that they're expecting their first shipment of body-worn cameras in March. And of course, it's going to take some time to train people and roll these out. So we do still have some time to work on the policy and adjust it. There was one thing that seemed to be a misconception, which is that um, some people thought that if we want to renegotiate this policy with the union, since it changes working conditions, that we have to reopen the whole contract that we just signed, the whole, the whole collective bargaining agreement. That is not necessarily the case with, with, with these types of things. With policies, policies change all the time, and they don't have to go through the whole process of the collective bargaining agreement. They don't have to go through a whole vote by the rank and file. Uh, that's not how you how you deal with changes in policies. So policies can be changed without actually having to open up the whole big collective bargaining agreement uh, to do so. So this is something that we know is possible. Um, it is only a matter of number one: is there uh, the will on um, on the side of? I mean, the council can suggest things, but they can't really, I think, force the sheriff's office to adopt a certain policy, not not, not as I understand it, at least. Um, so it's going to come down to whether there is um, a will on the part of the sheriff's office and the executive's office to change that policy. Um, and, of course, once there is that will, then it will have to be negotiated with, uh, with the union that represents 
the deputies, and that is something that that may um, take some time as well. Right. All right. Well, Tamara, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show and providing this um, great explanation uh, for these policies and um, the amendments that uh, you guys are proposing, which I believe and other people advocates. Uh, that I've talked to in the community believe make a lot of sense as it relates to uh, the body cam uh, that the King County deputies uh, will be wearing here uh, within the next, definitely within the next year or so. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, I'm always, always available to, to add insight whenever you need it. All right. We'll appreciate it. And uh, members of our listening audience, if you want to weigh in on this, you're uh, more than welcome to contact the King County Sheriff's Office and also uh, the King County Executive's Office or your representative on the King County Council.